Hey guys, thanks for joining us for episode five. We've got a very special breakdown of March Madness with our resident expert, Keaton Hall. Let's just hop right hey guys, into it. We're here with our uh, special guest this week, Keaton Hall. He's a friend of ours from Manchester. He played basketball there. And Keaton, how's the retired life treating you now that you're not a college athlete anymore? Uh, it's definitely different. It's, it's weird watching games that I used to be wanting to play in and now knowing that I don't really have that outlet anymore, but it's it's been nice to have uh, my body not hurt 24-7. It's been the main beneficial factor for sure. Uh, gives me some time to explore explore life outside of basketball a little bit. So there's some pros and cons to it for sure. Yeah, I can definitely attest to that. Well, now that the um, Manchester soccer's gotten going, it feels like you should still be out there almost. And, and 100%. I can definitely speak to the no aches and pains is definitely a bonus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was honestly, I didn't realize how like kind of quick it was going to happen, but my feet, ankles, knees, legs went from being an old man walking to this past summer. I was like, wow, this, I haven't felt this good in years. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. I don't miss the fitness tests and all that part of it, but it was weird seeing like the four or five people that I knew still on the team, like starting or whatever. And like mm-hmm. knowing like, wow, I used to know all those guys. Like, it's just a weird, a weird experience, like a weird angle of it, but you know, it happens. Yeah, definitely. So being the basketball guy that you are, I think we're going to, you are our resident basketball expert. So we're just going to hop right into the thick of things. March madness. Who got snubbed? What are you happy with about the bracket? Kind of give us your general thoughts there. Uh, the first one might come as a little shock considering a Michigan guy, but I think Michigan State deserved a non-playing game uh, considering how they finished the season. I mean, they had one of the best resumes in the country in terms of top-tier wins. I mean, they won three top-10 games within the last two weeks of the season, and they ended up having to play against UCLA in one of the first four games. Uh, so I think that was one of the first ones. Uh, I thought Louisville had a good shot. If they would have beaten Duke in the ACC tournament, that would have helped a lot. Uh, And then that was kind of a case where some unexpected conference tournament winners like Georgetown won and potentially pushed them out of the bubble. Uh, I don't think there was a ton of other ones, though. Uh, I think this year with all the COVID pauses and things like that, it was an added kind of factor for the committee to kind of look into. So I definitely don't envy them being the people that decide who gets in and who doesn't. <laughs> For sure. I definitely thought the mid-majors got a little bit more respect this year than maybe they had in the past, which is something that I liked. But like you mentioned, you know, Georgetown and some of those some of those teams that won the conference tournament kind of stealing bids away from guys like Louisville and and some people that, you know, were our regulars in, TA, in the NCAA tournament that we aren't seeing this year. Yep. Yeah, it was weird not seeing Duke and Kentucky in it. I can't lie. Like, I think that I saw – this is the first time they both haven't been in it since like the seventies or something like that. Plus somebody like IU and well, and, and I think it's cool how um, if a team does have to like drop out because of COVID, I think how they have those standby teams, that could be a really, I mean, obviously unfortunate, but that could be a really cool element to where like they could just fill in at, at a certain point and that could be uh, add some drama, really bust some brackets too. Could you that'd, be, that'd be a whole new element to the Cinderella story. Yeah, literally out of the tournament and then you get called in and potentially win a game like that'd be a special special kind of weekend and could you imagine maybe you're like a one through four seed and then your team drops out and all of a sudden you have to play louisville like that'd be tough that'd be crazy yeah that'd be i do not 
envy anybody in this tournament that has to deal with all the COVID potential drops. Because so I think you have to have five, five or seven players test negative for five straight days in order to avoid that kind of getting kicked out. So that I'll just be, can you imagine how bad you'd feel if you're one of those players that had COVID and forced your team to get out of the tournament? I'd, I'd stay with you the rest of your life. And even guys like Kansas right now, they had to drop out of their conference tournament and they have, it, I think they have three guys, they didn't release their names or whatever, but they have three guys that, and so it could be the three walk-ons or it could be, you know, the best player on the team. And that makes a whole right. difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Cause I mean, we see, we saw how it happened in the NFL and how other leagues have kind of handled it, but it's all been throughout the course of the season and not, a condensed tournament like March Madness is. So it'll be interesting. For sure. <clears throat> so you mentioned your big Michigan guy. Why Michigan? Uh, so I grew up, funny enough, about five minutes away from Michigan State campus. And half of my family, most of my friends are Michigan State fans, but my dad got to me early on. Uh, I know that I was a, maybe a little bit of a State fan um, growing up, but then my dad showed me a one of the games of Michigan beating Michigan State by about 40 in a football game and I was I was converted forever um, so it's been it's been some ups and downs the past few years 2010s uh, late 2000s but you know we're sitting pretty in basketball right now so it's been it's been a good experience for sure where do you think well we'll get into it but how how do you think they stack up so far for this this tournament like do you think they have a real good shot obviously they're sitting on a one seed, but they've had some injury troubles and I think how, you, how they looking right now. Yeah, Livers not being there uh, is definitely a massive blow. Uh, not only from his point production, but he's just one of their leaders and one of their guys that does a lot of things that the stat sheet doesn't show. Um, and so I think they have a lot of depth, which has helped them throughout the course of the season, and that's going to help them this year. Uh, so if honestly looking at their game against Ohio State, uh, I thought if they made about half the shots that were close in that they missed uh they would have won the game by 10 plus instead of having it come down to a last second shot but even so having that type of offensive kind of off game um in terms of shooting and still being in a position to come back and have the chance to win the game at the end i think gave them a lot of confidence and gave fans a lot of confidence that they can deal without livers until he is potentially able to come back because um, they haven't put a timetable on it but I mean, they're also, in my opinion, in the toughest region. So that doesn't help at all either. Yeah, there are a lot of good teams down there. But I honestly, you know, getting booted from the Big Ten tournament might actually be beneficial to them. It's another day of rest going into this thing. And they couldn't have really bolstered their their stock any by winning the Big Ten tournament. I don't think it would have really changed much. So it, it actually could be a, a benefit to the to the Wolverines here. Yep. Yeah, that was one of the things that we said about Michigan State. But when they when they beat us uh, at the end of the season, like obviously you hate to lose a rivalry game, but uh, it, it didn't change anything in terms of seeding. So if there was a game to lose, it was definitely that one. So what's what's the one thing that you think from Michigan that hurts them the most? What's their biggest weakness that it, if this happens, then, you know, all, all hell breaks loose? Uh, I think if Hunter Dickinson gets in foul trouble early, uh, just because he's such – a game changer inside uh, that's been different from the past years for them. Cause in the past uh, with Beeline, they've been somewhat re reliant on the three and Dickinson being able to 
be a post presence, have a traditional kind of back to the basket type player where they can dump it down and get easy buckets down there um, off putbacks. And it also opens up an inside out element that they haven't necessarily had in the past. So I think that's one of the been, been one of the biggest separators for them. Uh, when Illinois played them, one of the things I noticed is that Illinois' defense was incredibly aggressive and it kind of threw them out of their rhythm offensively. And so as long as they're able to handle pressure and not let any sort of defense that they'll see potentially in LSU in the second round, um, as long as they can let that not affect their, how they perform on offense and not affect their flow, I think that'll help them the most. Um, but it's also one of the biggest weaknesses that I've seen for sure. And, and that region kind of plays to that weakness almost. So you, you mentioned LSU, and then they could potentially see Florida State in the next round. They're long, mm-hmm. lanky, athletic. And then it goes to Texas and Alabama. Like, yep. like yep. That, those, all those teams are long, lanky, and will get after you on defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's not to say Michigan can't handle the, the pressure because they've definitely played against teams that pressure them a lot. But that was one of the biggest things um, that was contributing to them having kind of a – a bad shooting night against Illinois for sure that I saw. I think them just playing in the Big Ten too is going to be great preparation because it was such a strong conference this year and yep. I think nine teams made it most of anybody so I think that's going to be a very uh it could be advantageous for them as long as they it doesn't wear them out too early or on I, I suppose. Yeah that's a great point. I thought Big Ten was the best conference this year uh but that's also coming from a Midwest bias but it's also coming from having some basketball experience as well uh I think the Big 12 is all, was the second best. ACC was very uncharacteristically bad this year, um, aside from a few teams. But yeah, Big 10 being able to play in that conference all year is going to help all the teams that got seated a little bit lower, like the Rutgers, like Wisconsin. Like Wisconsin's been a little skid, but they've also been playing some of the best teams in the, in the country. So that's contributed to that as well. So uh, I'm definitely pro Big 10 for this, for this tournament, but uh, we'll see how it happens. Yeah, I think they have a good shot. And I think the word that I heard on the selection show like 800 times was battle-tested. These these big teams mm-hmm. will be battle-tested. Because, yep. right, they, they go – once they made it in the conference team, any basically every team that they played is in the tournament. Anyway, yep. there weren't any there weren't any cakewalks this year, which is, I think made the, the Big Ten fun to watch throughout the whole season. And then as well as I think you could see some, some teams shine here and once it's tourney time. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Um, so let's get into your bracket analysis. We'll start with the uh, West region. Are there any, any big upsets or anything you've, you see in the first round over there? Uh, two games that I saw kind of initially that I might pick just because upsets are so hard to pick in brackets. Uh, USBC, UCSB rather over Creighton. Uh, Creighton got absolutely demolished by Georgetown. I don't know if that was just a one-time thing or if it was, kind of indicative of how their season is kind of going or trending. Um, I think that's one game that to look out for. Uh, and then Ohio and Virginia as well. Uh, I've always, the past few years, I've been a Virginia guy. I picked them to win uh, when they lost in the first round. I picked them to win the next year when they actually won. So uh, it's it's definitely a different team. Uh, I just don't think that this year is as good of a team as they've had in the past, even though they finished first in the ACC. I think part of that was because, like we said, ACC was uncharacteristically down this year. So I think that's another thing to kind of look out for in that region. You got to embrace the pace, Keaton. Right, I know. (laughs) It's been, it's astounding how 
good their record's been under Bennett when they play the same kind of style and pace of basketball when every other team has gone to a completely different style. And I think, but that style does, you know, kind of lead towards the more likelihood of an upset just because there's fewer possessions, you know, you have an off shooting night, yep. and Ohio, Ohio can put up some points. They played Illinois really tough earlier in the season. So yeah. yeah, at least, at least right now I have both those teams being upset. So I, I called both of those. Yep. Uh, and so that means I have Ohio in the sweet 16, which I don't feel great about, but maybe that's Ohio bias. I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I, uh, I usually wouldn't bet against Tony Bennett this early, but uh, I'm going with it for now, but we'll see. No, that's a good pick. Cause I mean, they're, everybody's all about analytics these days. And one of the things that I saw was a double digit seed has gotten to the sweet 16, like five out of the past six years or something like that. So, I mean, there's your double digit seed right there. Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to kind of see what, kind of comes out of that region. So in the second round, then who do you, who do you see advancing maybe through your final four elite eight in that, in that mid or in that West region? I think USC is kind of a dark horse sleeper in this one. Uh, they finished second in the PAC 12, even though I'm not a huge PAC 12 guy. Uh, they have Evan Mobley, which I think is a big factor when it comes to having one of the top NBA prospects on your team and kind of whenever those top prospects uh, are the number one guy on their team. They tend to have ability to take over a game when they need to. So I think that could be an element that could really cause some disruption for Iowa, the number two seed in that region. Uh, Iowa's been a really good team throughout the entire year, but they've also shown a lot more weaknesses than a potential two seed should maybe have. Uh, Luca Garza is an absolute animal as long as he's not playing against Kofi Cooper or Hunter Dickinson that made him his son at Michigan. Um, but I think Gonzaga gets to the final four in this region, just because it's, I, there's no one really to challenge them in this, in this region. And they haven't had a super tough conference or non-conference schedule. Um, they had some good games earlier on. Uh, their three guys, Timmy, Kispert and uh, Suggs are legit. Uh, so I think that, you're going to need a good team to beat them, even though the rep has been kind of, they haven't played anybody, but they're, they're very high level players. So it's going to be tough for anybody to come out and beat them in that region. Yeah. Suggs is a baller. He's going to be good even at the next level. And yeah. I, I agree with that USC. I, I saw something that they're third in the nation in dunks. Like that means they're getting runouts, they're getting steals and, mm -hmm. and you don't miss dunks. Like that's yep. something that doesn't go away. So I, I like that USC pick too to maybe upset Kansas early and then potentially even Iowa and face Gonzaga there in that elite eight. Yep. Yeah. It's, that's a, that's a, the USC one, the most amount of dunks, that's such a, that's so much more than two points. I mean, you guys know you've been in those types of environments. That's such a huge momentum boost, especially if it comes on the tail end of a run, it just completely can demoralize the other team. Nick, Nick Malero mentioned the importance of dunks and intramurals on. Nice. So, <laughs> that is unbelievably high level analysis by Nick Malero right there. <laughs> He'll be mad that we called you the resident uh, basketball expert too, I'm sure. But <laughs> <laughs> he, he's the resident uh, NBA expert. He knows more about NBA than I do. Um, the fact that we, we both like uh, the Pistons because we're both from Michigan, but he's got the, he's got the West side blazers going for him. So he's, it was fun being able to kind of 
talk and be with him the past couple of years and have NBA League Pass and watch games with him for sure. Very true. So we'll move down to the East then, Michigan's um, quad. Mm-hmm. Any any big upsets you see in the in the first round or second round? Uh, there wasn't a ton in the first round that I could think of. Uh, I hate that LSU is an eight seed because I think they're a lot better than an eight seed. They lost the SEC tournament championship to Alabama, who's a two seed by one point on Sunday. Uh, so I was I was very shocked that they were the number eight seed in potential second round matchup with Michigan. Uh, St. Bonaventure has been a very kind of under the radar team as well. They're really solid. Uh, UNC Greensboro, maybe against Florida State, just because Florida State has been a little hot and cold as of late. I mean, they lost to Georgia Tech in the ACC championship game in the tournament. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But then Florida State also has one of the top NBA prospects in Scotty Barnes. So it, like I said before, his ability to take over if uh, need be. Um, Georgetown and Colorado was an interesting kind of matchup for me just because Georgetown's playing really hot right now. But it, it could also just be a um, – a Madison Square Garden thing. It could be just a Ewing getting pissed off that the security didn't recognize him at MSG and he brought that energy to the rest of his team. Uh, but Colorado, I mean, they were one of the top finish in the, in the Pac-12 this year. So other than that, I think as much as I hate to say it, Maryland uh, over UConn could be something to watch for. Uh, not a huge fan of Maryland at the moment, even though we've beaten them three times in a row. Uh, get, I've never seen anyone getting under uh, Juwan Howard's skin like they have as a coach so it's Big Ten probably the last of my uh, wanting to win but I think they can still pull that upset off I, I think Michigan State is an, has an interesting draw there obviously they have to play that play-in game but I think they can beat you UCLA and then even BYU beat, mm-hmm. beat up on the uh, trader Matt Harms over there um, right <laughs> but I, I think like they, they've shown the ability to get hot and, and be able to create offense. I think Tom Izzo's always, his teams always find a way to defend. And so if they can find a way to score the basketball, I think they can find a way to win a couple games here. Yep. It's, and like you said, it's always hard to bet against Izzo in March. I know it hasn't been the, aside from when they went to the final four a couple of years ago, um, a few years there is a little, earlier round exits than had previously been expected of them. But like you said, it's, I could definitely see that as well. How do you feel about Bama? Because I've seen a lot of people kind of showing them or picking them as a, as a final four potentially. And I mean, they're a two seed. Um, I don't know. I've been struggling whether or not how far I should put them. Do you have any thoughts on, on Bama for this one? Uh, some of my friends that I work with down here in Atlanta are from Alabama. So they've been, I've been kind of getting a little inside fan scoop from them uh but like you said they're they're kind of been a hot and cold team over the course of the year so uh I really like one of their point guards Devon Kinnerly uh, I think he he was at Villanova last year and transferred to Alabama and was able to contribute a lot uh he's a really like he's just a playmaker so being able to have a playmaker like that as a guard in the tournament is always beneficial uh I could they're a team that I could see going to the final four but I could also see them getting upset in the second round, Sweet 16 rounds as well, um, because you have Texas right there. Uh, that's going to be one of the best games in the tournament if they get to that point, um, because Texas and Shaka Smart, very similar to Alabama, in my opinion, in terms of being hot and cold this year. 
uh, when they're really hot, they're really hot. But when they're kind of off, then they're beatable by anybody, uh, as they've shown throughout the year. So I think uh, I think it comes down to whichever team has the best uh, leadership from a coach at this point in time. Uh, I haven't seen a whole lot from the Alabama coach, but I know he's gotten them to a point where they're two seed when they have, weren't really necessarily a major factor in basketball the last couple of years. But uh, having Shaka Smart have that tournament experience as well with VCU um, is also going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a region where I think, like you said, it's a, it's a tough region. I think multiple teams could find their way out into the into the Final Four. Who who escapes from that from that region, Keaton? First off, Michigan. I have to say Michigan. Uh, but the the next team that I can see is Texas, probably. Yeah, I think I think if Michigan, like you said, if Livers can come back and and give quality minutes, I think Michigan's going to be hard to put out just because of their their inside ability, and then they can shoot the ball. I think that, that that means a whole lot in March. If if you can play defense and you can shoot it, I think that that carries you pretty far. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that they're not having livers because that get if they had livers, I would have put them in the final four automatically. But when they're not shooting the best, then they've been susceptible to closer games with teams that they were blowing out by double digits earlier in the year. Uh, so it's a team that I can see getting to the final four still without a doubt. But if they don't have a great shooting night, then I could see a team like LSU or Florida State taking advantage of that and bouncing them early. I don't want it to happen, but I could see it happening. <laughs> so in the South region, Baylor, the number one seed over there, well-deserved. I think everyone agrees on that. Yep. Is there, is there any, any crazy upsets in the first or second round that you can see going on over there? First one that caught my eye was Winthrop over Villanova. I think you guys know that as well, uh, just because the injury to Gillespie is going to be massive for them. Uh, having a guard as experienced as him, because I remember when he was a freshman and Michigan played them at Villanova. Uh, it was when they had Brasdakis and they were they He was he was young and inexperienced. He could show, but then he's been able to really pick up and become a Ryan Archie Diakono type player. Uh, so not having a four general this late in the year uh, is, is tough for any team to overcome. So I can see that uh, might get a little bit of, this might be the surprise, but Colgate over Arkansas is one that I potentially saw just because Colgate's one of the higher scoring teams in the country right now uh, for, that came against lesser competition, of course, but if you can score the ball and you can get hot, in March, like that's a recipe for an upset. Yeah, I, I agree with the Winthrop pick. I didn't have too many crazy things going on here. One team that it wouldn't be an upset in the first round, but I kind of like is Texas Tech. I think they've shown mm -hmm. their their ability to play in March in the last few years. And I think as a six seed, you know, obviously they're going to have to, they have a tough road to get there. But I think once again, I think they have the ability to, to make a little bit of a run if they get hot at the right times. Yeah, without a doubt. Having a, a coach is Chris Beard, correct? Yep. Yeah, having his experience as a coach in the Final Four, uh, I'm sure they still have a few players from that run. And the addition of Mac McClung for them has been huge. Uh, he was doing work at Georgetown and then he transferred, but he's definitely picked up right where he left off. Uh, and a lot of people know him from his absurd dunking ability in high school, but he's, he's a pure scorer. 
I mean, he broke Allen Iverson's Virginia high school scoring record, which is you can't just do with dunks. So he's he's definitely a certified bucket. And it's going to be interesting to see how they go out because I, I agree they have a tough road to get there. But, I mean, I think they can make some noise for sure. I was a little disappointed that Colgate uh, got Arkansas in that one just because yeah. I have a hard time picking against Arkansas there. But I kind of like how you said I thought Colgate, Colgate was a decent pick there. Um, Rube, how are we feeling about Purdue on this side? So I, I feel pretty good um, until Baylor. Um, yeah. Obviously, Baylor's good. I did see Chip Patterson on CBS picked him to go to the Final Four. So Really? I think I think – just strictly based on Travion Williams and his ability to score in the post, he's he creates troubles for anyone to guard. Even guys like Garza and Kofi Coburn have had trouble guarding him. But then I, I, Baylor's so good that their their front court is or, so their back court is just incredible. That I I I have a tough time <laughs> putting the uh, young Purdue over uh, Baylor. Yeah, Travion's a beast. Like, I remember him his freshman year, and he was making upperclassmen-type moves and getting those types of looks. And I'm like, he's going to be a solid big, especially in the Big Ten. And, I mean, you guys talked about it uh, in your previous podcast, but Ivy is going to be really good. He's already progressed so much, and he led them in scoring. No, he's second in scoring in the Big Ten tournament um, besides Williams. But it's if you can have a big and a guard, I mean, that's that's one of the recipes for success in March. Uh, how do you, how do you feel about the uh, hometown Bucks? I have them. Well, <laughs> I have them Elite Eight versus Baylor, and I really want to see. And it's kind of a spoiler for the next part. I really want to see Ohio State Illinois Final Four, so I kind of wiggled it so they nice. beat Baylor. But you know, that's what I have so far. But I could definitely see myself rearranging, and I don't know. There's so many variables at play that I could definitely question myself until then. But uh, I really would love to see a rematch for that. I, I do think Ohio State does have the the right combination of guys to beat Baylor, though. They have a they have a backcourt that can guard with C.J. Walker and Dwayne Washington Jr. And both of them are playing at extremely high level on the offensive side as well. And then C.J. Liddell is a baller. So I mean, they they do they do have the capabilities to match up to a Baylor, which I don't think you can say about a lot of teams in this in this tournament. It's true. Yeah, and like you matchups are one of the biggest things in the tournament because if you get if you're a, a clearly better team but if you get matched up against someone who can exploit weaknesses then that's that's literally how Cinderella runs happen uh as much as I hate to say it, Ohio State is definitely playing at a high level right now Dwayne Washington is insane and having a guard like uh CJ Walker and a big like EJ Liddell and suing has been really good on the wing too he is over 20 points in the championship game uh, that's just de depth is one of the biggest things in the tournament without a doubt in terms of making a big run and not just one or two upsets. Uh, so yeah, as much as I hate to say it, Ohio State's looking nice. All right. So then going down to that Midwest region, Tom kind of alluded to it, the fighting line. I had the number one seed there coming off the, the big 10 championship. Maybe they should have had both titles. We don't know. That might be a topic for a discussion well, later. Take it up with the, uh, Good old Mr. 19. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, so what, what do you kind of see happening in the first round over there? Uh, one of my sleeper teams in this one to make a run is Oklahoma State. Uh, might not be a real sleeper, but 
Cade Cunningham is the truth. And he it's the thing is, it's not only him. He has a good supporting cast and they've really been able to figure it out lately. Uh, West Virginia, I like, they're just so solid under Huggins. Uh, they've had, one of the things that I've seen this year with a lot of the teams is that like one through five, the size and length is just insane. So that just, that just takes it up a whole nother level on defense and also being able to score on offense. Um, upset wise, the only one that I really saw uh, opportunity wise was uh, Syracuse over San Diego State. Uh, Syracuse played Virginia really tough in the ACC tournament. Uh, Oregon State, maybe, but Tennessee's also been kind of hot and cold this year, but uh, they've had some really good wins as well. So uh, this one's tough. I think that Illinois comes out of it without a doubt, just with how high, high level they're playing at right now. Uh, but first round, those are the two upsets that I saw could happen. Yeah, you mentioned Oklahoma State is extremely talented, but they've also been inconsistent. And I think something that Liberty does is they slow the pace down and they shoot the three at a very high clip. I think they're like ninth in the country in terms of three-point shooting percentage. And that's a recipe for an upset. I don't think it'll happen just because of the, the star talent on Oklahoma State. But there's a shot that there's, there's an upset there early. And yep. I think that you mentioned the Tennessee, Oregon State. Tennessee's been inconsistent on offense. They're yep. going to guard no matter what, but it's just a matter of if they can hit shots. They'll probably come away with it, but there's another one to look at. I do think Illinois has got a really tough run, too, like a tough combination of teams they have to play. Like they have, I mean, OK State, we've mentioned there's, you know, even Chicago, Georgia Tech, that game, like, you know, those aren't bad teams. And then, you know, somebody like Houston or West Virginia, like those are all teams that are, can make it a really tough run. And that's on the top of a long Big Ten tournament run. So um, that was all going through my mind when I still put them final four. So I don't know what that says about them, but uh, <laughs> probably Big Ten bias as well. But I, I saw Andy Katz has Rutgers beating Houston. And I don't know if he had him beating West Virginia and playing in the Elite Eight or not, but he has them making a little bit of a run. What are your, what are your guys' thoughts about that? Yeah, Geo that's Baker. interesting. Sorry, no, you can go ahead first. I was just saying Geo Baker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Rutgers, they play in the Big Ten all year. They, were, they played a lot of the top teams really close, uh, and I think that's going to help them in this. Like you said, battle-tested being able to handle literally any type of player and team that they're going to see. Uh, Houston is an interesting case just because they play in a conference that isn't the toughest. Uh, the last time I saw Houston in the tournament was against Michigan and it almost bounced us until Jordan Poole hit the miracle shot. So it's just, it's tough to get a gauge on Houston because I haven't seen them play a whole lot, but Anytime you win your conference tournament championship by 37 points, that's definitely something to take note of for sure. Uh, I know some IU fans aren't the biggest kind of fan of their coach, uh, Samson, but I mean, he's been, he's been around the game for a long time. He knows how to win uh, in terms of X's and O's, uh, cleanly at least. Um, but it, it's, I just don't, I can see the Rutgers getting that win, but I think Houston might be one of the sleeper teams to make it run as well. Yeah, so we've kind of gone through all the regions. We'll have uh, – so, why don't, Keaton, why don't you remind us of your final four, give us your championship game, and then who's winning it all? So, I've only been able to make one bracket so far. Uh, 
the Big Ten guy in me wants all those top seeds to get in Michigan, Iowa, Ohio State, and Illinois, but I know it's not going to happen. Uh, I think Gonzaga comes out of the region. Uh, I'm going to go Michigan down down below to play in Gonzaga in the Final Four. Uh, I think Baylor and Illinois have the best shots, uh, but I think it could be Ohio State as well. It's, it's so tough to not pick a one versus two lead eight in every single region, especially this year. Um, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go with West Virginia coming out of the bottom, even though I think Illinois is playing at a high level right now. Uh, and West Virginia hasn't traditionally done very well in the tournament uh, in terms of making deep runs. But that was kind of the case with Virginia when they made their title run is that they had always had a stigma of, being really highly ranked, but never really getting to make that championship run. But I think West Virginia and Bob Huggins can put it together with their team that they have this year um, and make a Final Four run for sure. Uh, as much as well, I would Bob love, Huggins said he was chomping at the bit, so it's good to see yeah. from, from Huggy. <laughs> yeah, it's he's one of the coaches that are still old school, and I love it. He hasn't. He's still. If you're going to recruit the player, he's not going to change his coaching style to make him feel like they need their feelings protected. He's going to let them know. And I love that style of coaching, uh, even though it's not as prevalent today. Uh, so I think in the, as much as it kills me, I think Gonzaga gets to the championship game. Um, the Gonzaga Baylor final is something that I could definitely see. Um, it's what I'm going to say right now. It's a potential rematch of the game that got canceled earlier and was never rescheduled. Uh, so I think that could be, it could be one of the really good championship games that we've seen in the past decade or so. Tong, do you agree with that? You have some some rebuttals. What are, what are we dealing with down there in Tongland? I also have Gonzaga in the finals. Uh, I didn't, so I have Ohio State, Illinois on the other side. I didn't want a third Big Ten despite wanting to. That's fair. So I, as of now, I have Bama. Although I don't feel, I really don't feel great about that side at all, just in terms of knowing the teams well and and being comfortable with that, but I have those four for now. And then I have Gonzaga, Illinois, Illinois over Ohio State again. Uh, and then I have Gonzaga. So I have the boring number one overall, but I'm saying they go perfect. Wow. Oh, that would be a perfect run, wouldn't it? That'd be nuts. And I think if I heard correctly, they'd have the most wins in a perfect season as well. So that would really? be that'd be crazy, even in a, like a COVID. Especially in a COVID season, that'd yeah. be crazy. So I, I have a very similar final four. I have Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, and then I have Texas coming out of the East. I like what Shaka Smart's doing down there. Then I'll go Gonzaga, Illinois in the final. I feel like everyone's doing that, but yeah. And then I got to go with Io and Kofi and the boys. <laughs> We're going to be celebrating here in Champaign. So, but like if Illinois and Gonzaga meet in the championship game, I honestly like Illinois in that matchup because. AO is going to match up with Suggs. Uh, you're going to get who would be on uh, Kispert for them. It would be probably Frazier. Probably, yep. Trent. Or maybe, or maybe sw flip those. Uh, and then you got Coburn on Timmy. I think Coburn wins that without a doubt. He's just being the massive and pretty skilled big that he is. Uh, I also am a huge fan of uh, Curbelo. The fact that he's a freshman blows my mind with the amount of poise and pace that he plays with. Uh, he was making some big plays in the Big Ten tournament and just being able to see 
One thing that I think is a big factor for the top teams in the Big Ten, like uh, Illinois, Ohio State, and Michigan, is their culture. Being able to see that on the sidelines throughout this entire year, those are the teams that made their own energy when there was no fans in there. And that, honestly, is going to be – even though there's going to be some limited fans in the tournament, being able to have that type of bond with your teammates just helps you push through any sort of kind of run or drought that uh, is happening against you uh, and can really help in the tournament. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you hit it on the head. So before we let you go, we'll end you with one question. What's your favorite March Madness memory? Oh, without a doubt, uh, Trey Burke against Kansas in the Sweet 16. Uh, I remember exactly where I was. My brother and sister were upstairs sleeping. And when he hit the shot, I almost yelled and woke everybody in the neighborhood up. Uh, but that was one of the games where it was like they were down the whole game, but they were still keeping it within reach. And I just had the utmost faith in Trey Burke at the times because even though he wasn't shooting well at all that game uh he still was able to come through in the clutch and that will forever be one of my like my favorite March Madness memory I think I even remember where I was when that one I think I was in uh like a rental house in Florida on spring break mm -hmm. this is one of those one of those iconic moments without a doubt was that was that was a pretty good team Michigan had mm -hmm. they got technically they were the team that finished the furthest in that tournament since uh, Louisville had it vacated. <laughs> um, I mean, that national champ that also the national championship game that year, it was one of the games that I'll always remember uh, having Spike go off his battle of the white boys in the first half. Uh, and then Trey Burke's block that gets called for uh, a foul was one of the turning points of that game for sure. But, uh, but yeah, it still doesn't beat a Kansas shot. Yeah, pretty good. Well, Keaton, we thank you for your time. We can't wait to see your uh, bracket on the top 10 of the leaderboard for, at ESPN here pretty soon. Um, yeah. <laughs> that perfect one. Can't wait. Yeah, I appreciate you, boys. Thank you. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us for this episode. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. Um, don't forget, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, and comment down below. Thanks, guys. I saw a tweet. It was like, if we if we would have given the vaccine distribution to Chick-fil-A, we'd all be vaccinated by now. <laughs> would have been a drive-thru. Would have been the most efficient two weeks ever. <laughs>